Cofield and Company NFL insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. JVT, Willie Ramirez filling in, Von Toby Los Vatos in addition, with Steve Cofield refusing to do the show because San Diego State made its run to the national championship game. Might lead, might lead to new powers that be here on Cofield and Company. It might be Ramirez and Company, maybe coming up in the next couple of days. You choking on something? What's going on? I, I, I don't know about that. I'd, I'd rather let's just stick to the Vatos. Okay, all right. Miles Simmons is with us as you hear, writer, pro football talk. Miles, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure you know this by now. The energy's just better with me as opposed to Steve, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, I love the way you intro me. It's so very nice always. Okay, thanks, man. Appreciate that. That sounds mm-hmm. really legitimate. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some news. <laughs> let's talk about some news in the National Football League. So I've spent all show, Miles, kind of putting some tea leaves together and reading too much into some reports. So I wanted to start with a report that uh, your guy, Mike Florio, actually just put out earlier today. So we get the news that the uh, that Bill Belichick of the Patriots may have been shopping Mac Jones. But obviously out here in Las Vegas, for anybody who read the report, the excerpt that sticks out is the Raiders are the ones to keep watching, according to Florio. Jimmy Garoppolo's contract lands in the low end of middle class for starters. Jones has two years left under a slotted rookie deal before his fifth-year option would apply. How legitimate would this be? Because the Patriots are, or excuse me, the, and this is why I get confused, the Raiders are snatching up Patriots and ex-Patriots left and right. Would this actually be something that, is, that happens maybe in the next few days or during the draft? Uh, I, I would say to keep an eye on it more during the draft, but it, it reminds me of that, you know, whole Brian Windhorst meme, you know, when he was right. talking about trades, like less like, why would the Patriots do that? But let's like, who leaked this? And why are they leaking it? You know, is it from Mac Jones's camp? Because Mac Jones is unhappy with the way things have gone in New England? Or is it from a Bill Belichick camp, if you will, because Bill Belichick is peeved with Mac Jones and the way he approached last season and the way he executed last season, even though Bill Belichick is the one who put the Frankenstein monster of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge together to coach an offense and a second-year quarterback who had been coached by one of the better offensive minds in football for his first year. So I, I, I think that this is really interesting, and it – it follows more reporting that has come out of New England, out of Boston, that you know things are not necessarily copacetic and all happy in Kumbaya between um, Bill Belichick and Mac Jones based on the way things happened last year. And listening to Bill Belichick at the league meeting even last week, he's not been definitive to say Mac Jones is our guy. That's who you know we're going to rally around, et cetera. So it, 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 this is an interesting situation there in New England. Well, and there's a lot of noise around it, right? And I think it's from two directions. There's the Raiders side, which we we'll get to, but focusing on the the Patriots side of things, it also kind of comes along the heels of some drummed up heat that they're interested in Lamar Jackson, right? So like there's there's yeah. kind of this going on that. Is this, like you said, just noise, or is this actually, hey, we're kind of shopping around, Matt, because we actually might really be interested in Lamar? I, I do think that this is a situation of where there's smoke, there may be some fire. Because, look, f- for if you're Bill Belichick and you think you're you know, coming toward the end of your coaching career, which you probably are. I mean, he's in his 70s now. Like This is something where if you look at the AFC East, 
you got Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in one, you know, area here. And then you've got the Miami Dolphins who, aside from their quarterback's injury question, I mean, they're legit, right? Like they gave Buffalo all they could handle despite playing a third string guy in the in the wild card round last year. And and they've added Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, which I think is almost better than any acquisition that they could make. But they also added a guy like Jalen Ramsey to the mix. And so I, I think that the the Miami Dolphins should be very good if you know, to a tongue of Iloa can be okay. And they have Mike White, who I also believe in. But then you also have the Jets who are probably going to get Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm -hmm. So just looking at it on paper right now, the Patriots are the fourth best team in that division. So how do you really make a bold move to make sure that you're getting yourself better and that you can get yourself back in a championship contention? One way would be to try and acquire Lamar Jackson. That's going to be tough because the Ravens are going to be inclined to match most, if not any deal that Lamar Jackson would receive on the open market. But I also think that that's part of why you have to wait until the draft, because once the Patriots make their first round selection, then I think in all other teams, really, then the Lamar Jackson market might heat up a little bit. And also that might be when you'd see the Patriots try to move a Mac Jones because then they would also be trying to get Lamar Jackson. So it, that's something where it makes sense to me if the Patriots really wanted to make a bold move that they could go after that guy because I, I don't know how else you really try to vaunt yourself into that upper echelon of AFC East teams right now. In tying in the Raiders outside of Florio's report, what I, what I thought was interesting too was Todd McShay had his most recent mock draft come out, to, I think it was today or, or late yesterday, and in mm -hmm. the excerpt for the Raiders, he noted that from what he's heard, he gets the sense that the Raiders wouldn't be interested in taking a quarterback with their top pick unless miraculously one of the top two guys were to fall to them. So the other route would be, hey, maybe acquire a quarterback that they can get cheap in Mac Jones. So what do you think Mac Jones is? Because you mentioned the Frankenstein monster. I'm a guy who never really wants to punt on dudes early, especially after what he went through last year. If, if they get another former Patriot, what is the ceiling of Mac Jones under Josh McDaniels, you believe? I, well, you know what's interesting, and I, I made the joke on Twitter after the game that the Raiders somehow miraculously won because now Raider Jacoby Myers did one of the dumbest things I've ever seen on a football field. Right. It's like, you know, you see Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones embrace, and it's like, yeah, what's he saying right there? Oh, don't worry, Mac, I'm going to come get you. And it's like, now that that's actually possible, <laughs> right. and, and, you know, so that's why I'm kind of like, okay, well, where is this leak coming from? Is it from the Mac Jones camp because Mac Jones wants Josh McDaniels to come get him? Or because that would make a lot of sense to me. You know, things are not great by all accounts between Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. And those guys are going to say the right things publicly. But privately, we know Mac Jones was frustrated by everything that happened last year. And so that is why I think it's not entirely unrealistic to see the Raiders try to make a move like that. But also if you have that coming from Mac Jones's camp, then it's almost like trying to position that and kind of manifest it into existence when it almost doesn't really make that much sense because they have a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo is often injured and that is what it is. But if you if you sign Jimmy Garoppolo, then your plan is to play Jimmy until you figure out your long-term solution at QB. It's like when uh, the Chiefs had Alex Smith and they ended up drafting Patrick Mahomes, or really who like San Francisco just did with Jimmy Garoppolo when they drafted Trey Lance, and then they played Garoppolo one more year, and then it's like, okay, bye, Jimmy. But then they actually didn't say bye to Jimmy. You know, that That's sort of the plan that I think the Raiders are trying to go with. But 
what it means is right now for the seventh overall pick, they don't have to just pick a guy just to pick a guy. Mm -hmm. You know, if they don't really believe in Will Levis or if Anthony Richardson is somehow still there and if they don't really believe in him to become that type of QB that will help them compete at the top of the AFC year in and year out, then they don't have to pick that guy and they can kind of muddy through whatever this year is going to be and then they can make the bold move next year of going up to get somebody like uh, Caleb Williams, for instance, right? Because he's going to be there. So I, I think the Raiders are in a decent shape at quarterback, whether they decide, okay, Mac Jones is somebody that we really should go after. I don't know if they'll do that, but I can understand why a Mac Jones would want to try and manifest that. Speaking of Miles Simmons, pro football talk, I get what you're saying, but having a 37-year-old backup right now in Brian Hoyer, who I would imagine is immediately listed as the second on the depth chart, and then Chase Garbers and the oft-injured Garoppolo being the starter, I could see Mac Jones. My question to you is the tight end position. Um, you know, right now, if you look at it, they got four guys in the room, Austin Hooper, O.J. Howard, Jesper Horstead, Cole Fotheringham, for, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, do, are they going to go after? There's a couple of guys who are – there's a couple of guys that are local who made some big waves in their – at their respective schools, Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid. Well, I think that they – I think one of the good things about free agency, if you do it right, and I think that the Raiders did this, you cover up your needs so that you don't have to reach in the draft. All right, so those two guys you mentioned, they are guys that could fit with the Raiders, right? But if they're not in a certain spot that is valued from the way they set up their board, they don't have to reach because you've got a guy in OJ Howard, because you've got a guy in Austin Hooper, those guys that have playing experience and we know that they can play. Now, I mean, OJ Howard is, I think, effectively a disappointment based on what his draft status was and the things that he did when he was in college. I and mean, he's never really been that dude in the NFL. That doesn't mean that he can't be. But my point here is, you know, because the Raiders did what they did in free agency, it's kind of similar to the quarterback position we're talking about, right? You you don't have to draft for need when you go when you send Darren Waller to the New York Giants. You know, you don't and Foster Moreau is still on the free agent market and who knows how he's when he's gonna play and you know, you hope that his health issues resolve themselves and that he ends up all right. Uh, first of all. But that's where I think, you know, yeah, the Raiders could target a tight end. It wouldn't shock me. I think that they could definitely upgrade that position because Hooper and Howard aren't going to make defensive coordinators stay up at night, but they are serviceable players where you can start them and you can feel comfortable starting them. Let's switch gears here for a minute here and look over in the Lone Star State, Dallas Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott. Where's he going to end up? That's a great question because, you know, he wanted to end up with one of the Eagles or one of the other two teams that are now escaping the top of my head. The Bengals were on his list and it was initially reported from Adam Schefter that that's where he was deciding between. And as it turns out, that was more of a wish list and a pipe dream than anything else. And it, it's not that much of a surprise to me when that ends up being the case, especially with the Bengals, because they still have Joe Mixon, and frankly, I'm a little surprised they still have Joe Mixon based on what his salary number is for this year and the fact that he's a running back. And, you know, I I, I don't want to say Joe Mixon is bad, but it's sort of the same thing that Austin Eckler is going through with the Chargers where he wants to be paid at a certain level, and he's set to make $6 million this year. You know, the franchise tag number is at, about, is at just over $10 million, which is what Josh Jacobs is set to make, and Saquon Barkley, those guys. So... Yes, Austin Eckler's underpaid, 
But, you know, when you're thinking about what running back value is and you see what the Chiefs did with Isaiah Pacheco taking him in the seventh round and how effective he was and how they just won the Super Bowl, it's a roster construction question. So it's like, well, why am I going to pay that guy? So that's kind of what Ezekiel Elliott is going through right now. I mean, I don't know exactly what his market is going to be. He is still an effective runner. You know, you need a guy that can get you three yards sometimes when you're running the football. That guy can do that for you. But... I don't necessarily know that anybody's going to really want to take a look at him until after the draft where you really have a better picture of who is on your roster at running back and the young players that are already there versus the guy that you have to come in and, and pay. So before our show started, Miles, we get the uh, the news coming out of the NFL. Arizona Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell accused of gross misconduct, cheating, discrimination, harassment. That comes via a uh, arbitration claim filed by Terry McDonough. So what's the takeaway here from this, the burner phones, the accusations? Because this is going to be uh, involving Goodell, right? We're not going to get any public record of what's going on here. So what's the takeaway from this? Yeah, it's, it's an arbitration claim, you're right. So that means it is sort of going to that secret arbitration led by the commissioner. And I think the takeaway is there is – it feels like there's merit to the claims – based on the way the Cardinals responded. And I don't know if right. you guys have seen this very, very long oh, we statement. Read that Yeah, yeah, because it accuses McDonough of like, some real personal issues that, you know, it seems like to me when you go straight to the personal stuff as that, um, as that statement really attacks him with, then it kind of makes the claims feel like they have a little bit more merit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially if you, that's the way you attack somebody in a statement. And you know, there's a strong piece from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. You can check that out at profootballtalk.com, basically on that issue of it. Um, so I think, A, when you take this claim now with what the way the Cardinals fared in that NFL PA survey, I think it says a lot about the kinds of things that are going on in the Cardinals organization. And you also take that with the fact that it didn't seem like there was much interest in that job. You know, it seemed like for a little bit, Brian Flores might be a real viable candidate for that job. And then for whatever reason, he backed off, right? Or they backed off or he, backed, whatever reason that didn't work out, you know, and they ended up having to go with Jonathan Gannon, who I'm sorry, guys, that inspires no confidence in me. Like what, really? That's what we're doing here. So, I just feel like there's a lot there to process and it seems like the claims have merit. And, you know, whenever you're talking about all of those things, I mean, it's not just one element of it, right? It's, it's harassment of women. It's harassment of minorities. It's treating people poorly as employees. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff there. It doesn't give you much confidence in the public as to what that ownership group can do and they have the right to vigorously defend those claims but you know those are some pretty strong allegations so and so my and well, let's not forget too right i mean i guess he that he was fired but sean coogler and what allegedly happened when they were in mexico city like it seems like it mm -hmm. is an organization that is extremely poorly run and as we have seen with other organizations it does start at the top could this ever escalate into a type of scenario where the nfl does step in and maybe force an exchanging of ownership here I don't know if that I don't know if it would reach that point yet unless there are more of unless there are more claims that continue to come out and continue to come out and continue yeah. to come out right I mean that's kind of why Jerry Richardson had to sell the Panthers um, back in 2017, 2018, whenever that was, because it was just thing after thing after thing continued to come out. And now, you know, Dan Snyder, all the stuff that's come out about him, and he's finally going to sell the team. But it took 
a really long time because he was very defiant in it. I, I don't know how defiant Michael Bidwell would be, but that that organization has been in the Bidwell family for years and years and years and years. And frankly, there's a reason why they've been bad, right? I mean, you know, like you said, it starts at the top. And that that's not one of the marquee organizations in the league. And it's not been. They've only had a few good years basically in their entire history. So, I mean, you take that with it, maybe this is part of why that is. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. We get the report the other day that uh, Jalen Carter has decided to not visit teams, not picking in the top 10. He, they have come out, him and his agent have said that they'll visit with teams once they trade into the top 10, but it's only going to be teams with a, with a top 10 pick. We've also seen him kind of come out and push back a little bit more on this whole notion in terms of you know the pre-draft process and more uh, top, uh, top prospects, I should say, should maybe take these steps. But is he in a position to do this? Like, wasn't he just posting a $4,000 bond like a month ago? I, I get he's talented, yeah. but it seems it's it's a good fight, but it seems like an odd time to take it given where he's at in terms of his standing, no? You know, it's interesting, and I, I'll put it this way. This is what a good agent can do because if the agent, and his agent's Drew Rosenhaus, were not, if his agent wasn't saying to him, hey, you can do this and we'll get away with this, right? Th okay. This is a good strategy for us, then he wouldn't be doing this. And not to just belabor the point with Lamar Jackson, because I think sometimes this is unfair, but this is the difference between having a good agent and going it alone. Because if, if Davis did not have an agent telling him to do this. I, I think one would assume it would behoove him to go and meet with every team possible and explain to them what his situation is. But because he has the good advice of an agent and a, and a really strong and powerful agent and one that all of the owners know and all of the big wigs in the NFL can trust, then he doesn't have to do that. So I think that this is kind of that difference, right? This is why you pay the 3% fee for an agent who can tell you what's good to do and what's not good to do. And, you know, this is probably the difference there. 3%, man, I'm paying mine 25. I got to get another agent. Miles? You do. You're, you're just ripping <laughs> you off, bro. It's Steve. It's Cofield. <laughs> it's, it's, it's who's representing Oh, that's me. why. Good okay. to talk to you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. Miles Simmons again, Pro Football Talk. Man, I could talk to that guy for a long time. I like these kind of topics. be interesting to see what comes of this uh, situation with the Arizona Cardinals and should point out, it is a good fight for Jalen Carter to make. It's just, it's a weird time to make it, given the scenario that you're in. Oh, hey, thanks, Ari. Appreciate it. You know what? We don't want to let our listeners down. How about this? Two tickets, Burt Kreischer, fully loaded world tour Wednesday, July 12th, T-Mobile Arena. You want to go? All you got to do, hit up Ari, 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100. Caller number 11. It's my lucky number. I'm going to use it. Caller number 11, two tickets to see Burt Kreischer this summer. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company live from the Finley Toyota studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So yesterday I actually made fun of Steve Cofield behind the scenes here and then I pulled a Steve Cofield like I did exactly what I was making fun of him for. So to take people behind the scenes, we make a rundown, right? And I was making fun of Steve because I was like, you know, hey, it's a Google Doc. Like, I introduced him to Google Docs, made a joke. Like, you know, you can just use the same link and send it out and just repopulate the same doc like we, so we can all just save the link and be fine. You don't right. have to, like, resend it to us every day. Ari brought up good points. Like, you know, sometimes you want to go back and reference things. Maybe you missed something. I actually did the same thing today. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I had to send you a different link because I actually did save the old rundown, just like Steve Cofield, because I had to go back to a story because yeah. I wanted to expand on it. So. Yeah. Shout out to Steve. Should You're not al always wrong. Should always well, it doesn't really make him wrong. It, it's let's not give him too much credit. But 
Yeah, it's good to have the old ones. I sometimes go back to the old ones. I always say I always create the topics I send on a WordPad document and then save each one and I have them all filed away. And then I open up the previous so yeah, so to this morning, I opened up yesterday's, hit save as, and then I delete anything that we touched on. Anything that we didn't, it stays. Mm-hmm. And I just keep updating. So uh-huh. I, I like to refer to the old stuff. I don't like your notes, but I'm gonna move on from that. <laughs> I just I just like to do that to see what Willie does. I actually have no opinion. I didn't have a comeback, right? <laughs> well, actually, that does remind me of the one time. Who's our P one listener, Bra- uh, Brady? The yeah, one time yeah. where I got him during a festivus, where my grievance was I didn't like his voice, and it, it just shook him to the core. He had nothing. Um, Ari, just like this. Ari, I think his existence <laughs> he is Ari's on, grievance. Right. He actually holds on to it this to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is I actually wanted to go back to something we talked about yesterday which was a story by your guy, Paul Gutierrez, mm. and it ties into what we're talking about here. For so anybody who's just getting in their car and driving around, one of the little uh, – and this is why I like reading stories like this, because in certain markets, certain lines can have like a really big impact. And so when Mike Florio writes a piece about the Patriots shopping Mac Jones and throws in there that the team to watch is the Raiders, that's a big story. That's a really big story out here. That is a young quarterback that potentially – could be coming to your team if that's going to be the case. And we already have the connection that we talked about, right? Like the former Patriots just coming in here left and right. It's Patriots West. But I wanted to bring up the story that Paul Gutierrez wrote and kind of tie it in a little bit because the story was about Mark Davis desiring defensive progress. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. And I think it ties in to an overall theme here with the Raiders, Willie, that you and I were talking about off the air, which is I think teams – and the fan, the team that I'm a fan of – is guilty of this, the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. Teams get that sense of success. They have a good year, and they try to desperately cling on to it because they think this is who we are. We can maximize this. So the Raiders that year, right, they go crazy in those one-score games. They make it to the postseason. They flame out there. So they're like, we have a window. Let's get Devontae Adams. Let's maximize this thing. doesn't really go well. Sometimes that window is just a flash in the pan. And you have to build sm- like in a smarter fashion going forward. I think the Colts, again, are guilty of that. They thought they had a window because Andrew Luck maximized that roster to a certain extent, and then they made it to the playoffs again with Phillip Rivers. But in reality, they had a team that was fine, but that was maximized by one of the better quarterbacks in his generation, Andrew Luck, and the window probably wasn't as big as they thought. And look where the Colts are now. And so I want to tie in this defensive progress thing because just the sense you get from the Raiders and you're around camp and you talk to these guys at press conferences, I think you get the same sense too. And every team wants to win. But I think there's a way to go about it. And I just get the sense that the Raiders think their window is more open than it really is. And I think these steps that we're seeing them take is evidence to that. And I just don't know if that's the route you want to go down. And tying in Mac Jones, I kind of think that's the route you want to go down. And not even specifically Mac Jones, but it's – Youth, young guy, building for the future, not trying to kind of capture this, this smoke that's out there in terms of being a better team. Is, is that fair? You know, you, you see yeah, what I'm it, yes, and because I just feel like the fire's under McDaniel to to win now, and like you said, like the, I I think they're operating in a mindset of of long term. We have this job, everything's safe, but after the way that last year went down. And based on the previous year with everything that that team went through, finished with 10 wins, gets into the playoffs, and almost beats the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so now it's a quick fix, and he's McDaniels and Ziegler are doing it the only way they do it. They have, with trades and free agents, there's been 26 signings. Okay, um, 16 of them 
or offense? Ten or defense? Now, that doesn't mean that he's ignoring, right? It could mean that they're going to centralize in, in the fact that they picked up Brian Hoyer, the fact that they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They now have three quarterbacks in place. Now the talk, of course, of Mac Jones. Okay, we get it. Maybe they're going to centralize their drafts around the defense. As Paul says, you know, Raiders owner Mark Davis desires defensive progress, but has it occurred? So, in a sense, you could say it hasn't because a majority of the signings have been on the offensive side of the ball. What does McDaniels know? Offense. Doesn't mean he doesn't know anything about defense, but his idea of winning and how to win is on the offensive side of the ball. So, I, I don't know if there's a miscommunication. I don't know if everybody's on the same page. I I mean, we're not going to know anything really. I mean, the guys that are covering it, the guys that are getting, you know, the lip service at the owners' meeting in the combine when McDaniel's does his his press conference. But this dude's a polished pro and he knows what to say. You can't believe it's coming. You know, coming in one side of the mouth out the other. You just don't know what what to believe at this point until we actually see actions. And I think it all begins with the draft. Yeah, I, I, I just you always. I think it's dangerous to continue to use the example of trying to maximize a window that's not there. Because right. look at look at where Indianapolis is now. Yep, they're picking fourth overall, and they got some pretty decent pieces on the roster. And maybe they can get, let's say, even like a CJ Stroud falls to them for some whatever reason. CJ Stroud, who by all accounts has the highest floor, you maximize next year, whatever it is. But I just I think, and maybe, and I, I could be flawed in thinking this. Because this is maybe like because I like team building stuff. I, I like these conversations about how to go around it to bring in. Like when I was a kid, my favorite thing about playing Madden was I would always pick the worst teams and try to build them up through drafts and free agency. I liked the team building thing, and I'm not saying I'm a GM, but this is why I like these kind of conversations. And I think these philosophical questions are interesting because it's just it's almost you can make the argument somewhat unfair to Josh McDaniels, right? Because you're like, hey, win now, but here's this. Semi below average roster, and it's like okay, like I like I'll try to make something out of this, but we've got to like kind of pick a path here because purgatory, especially in the AFC, if Lamar Jackson's going to stick around, well, if Lamar Jackson goes to the Patriots, and Aaron Rodgers, he's not officially in the AFC yet, but he could be. Like, what's realistically your window here? Why not try to go the route of you can still have a successful season if you're also building for the future? You could, but I don't know if that's I don't know if he if he's got the future to build for based off of the di- how disappointing last year went. I just don't know how long – I get what you're saying, and I'm all for that. I'm all for – like my like as we were talking about off the air, like I think if you focus on building blocks and, and what this team could be and the future of it around the veterans that you have and look for long-term stability – you're going to build the chemistry organically, and you're and the talent's going to come together instead of forcing the pieces into this jigsaw puzzle. The problem is, I don't think that his mindset is long term because I don't think he's got long term. I yeah. think it's been set in stone. Hey, you wanted this, we got it. You wanted Derek Carr's guy, we got you, Derek Carr's guy. Now, I mean, think about who his skill position players are on that offense. Nobody is there outside of Josh Jacobs and Amir Abdullah who was there when he came in or who he drafted. It's the, the, everything's changed once Hunter Renfro goes. So I, you know, I think that the, I think that the, he's under the gun a little bit, and I think that maybe there's a, either a miscommunication or a misunderstanding as to win now, build for long term. Let you know, 
I, I, I don't know. And and the problem is we've yet to see him be successful in building anything mm. because he didn't do it in Denver. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just I think there's a way to do it to make everybody happy, and that's bringing this back full circle. I was I was really intrigued when I read that thing from Florio, as somebody who actually thinks Mac Jones again. Do I think he's going to be Patrick Mahomes? No, but do I think Mac Jones is better than what the perception is of him? Because as Miles Simmons put it when we talked to him, he had to deal with that Frankenstein monster of a offensive staff around him that kind of brought him down a bit. Yeah, I was I was really intrigued by that, and you can do this. You can do these are not mutually exclusive. You can build for the future and maybe acquire a young guy like Mac Jones while also potentially trying to maximize your window as a NFL team. Real quick, Nashville has just made it 2 nothing, leading the Golden Knights first period. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. You know, I'm not going to lie. Music hits a little bit different when you have the headphones on. Do you know the history behind this song? Who are you talking to? You said the word history. I got nothing. I, I actually, I got to give Tyler Bischoff credit. I was listening. Oh, to the we're show. not talking about this then. I got listen. Just listen. I was listening to the show this morning, and he was talking about it. And the guy who wrote it, Luther Vandross, n- wrote it or sung it. Luther he, Vandross he, is the one who is, is singing it. Yes. Um, Does he have a ghostwriter or did? Like the person who sung it, 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 it had to do it. with uh, David Barrett. Ah, of course. And it had, to, it had to do with I believe a a uh, he he was at a restaurant or something, and he saw this waitress, and she shunned him, and he went home and wrote this song. I, I, I was listening to the story and I was cooking breakfast and, and it was just it was doesn't sound like you were listening very well. I'm, I'm no, having tr- no. I'm having trouble following. Well, no, because I, I I didn't stop what I was doing to actually d- to zone in. It was in the other room and I put the Bluetooth speaker on. But oh, so it was kind of a fun, good, it was then. kind of fun, it's kind of a funny story. Is that what you're saying? What the press box isn't that good because you were barely listening. Tyler didn't, didn't engage you as a listener. No, I didn't say that. But I, I needed I, I needed to get my pre workout meal That's in. That's what I heard. My pre-workout meal supersedes anything. By the way, press box is awesome, and I'm going to be on at 7.30 tomorrow morning, so make sure you listen. Oh, see how you did that? This song sounds a little bit better when I was listening to it with the headphones on. It's not even that it was a bad song. I've just, I just never got wrapped up into the nostalgia that is one shining moment after the NCAA tournament. By the way, I also, if you heard me in the background, I said I won't make that mistake again. One of my peaks in radio when I was coming up was Adam Hill and I discussing Luther Vandross and what a tour for him might be like and if he closes or opens with one shining moment, not knowing that he had unfortunately passed away already. So, Ooh, yeah. I, I saw him. I've seen him twice in college. I saw him at the Aladdin, the old uh, performing arts so theater. he has other songs. Luther Vandross? Yeah. Did you just ask me that? I did. Just get him out of the studio and I'll finish the show. I would love to see that, actually. You want to fly solo for that? I'm out. There you go. Clown. I saw Luther Vandross at the Performing Arts Theater at the Aladdin, which I also graduated high school in, and I saw him at the MGM Grand Garden. Luther Vandross, are you kidding me? If you didn't have Barry White or Luther Vandross on your mm-mm uh, cassette tape, you get back to the house. Can you, you name re- one other song by Luther Vandross? I mean, a house is not a home. I mean, wait, what do you want me to I mean, are you serious? I don't know. You see how he kind of faded on that one? He wasn't even sure. I mean, well, you threw me out for a loop here, but I mean, a house is not a home. Yes, nineteen eighty one. It's because it's one of the one of the one of the best. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got the the whole catalog right in your dome, huh? 
I have Luther Vandross <laughs> CDs. Listen, I have Luther Vandross. I have Luther Vandross CDs. What is that? And and before I sold my re- my vinyl collection, I had Luther Vandross. Um, I got let some. me ask you this. Okay. Right. Let me ask you this. Oh, you're the you're the host. Okay. Is is the Hurley family now the first family of college basketball? Oh, sure. I I totally agree. Yep, hundred percent. Are you being sarcastic? A little bit. Yeah. Just curious. I mean, well, actually, it wouldn't be college basketball, but I mean, you got the Curries, you got the Berries, mm-hmm. you know. Got the Plumleys. Did the did the did the uh, did the win last night? Where did that catapult this family? Pretty high, pretty high. I'd say they're up there. Hmm. I'm not really big on basketball fans. Wait, actually, who's the family that owned Air Bud? They're probably up there, right? Training that dog how to play basketball. I'm sure. I'll give that to you. I'm just being a jerk. I had something for you. Okay, go. I had something for you. It was actually one of your topics. Okay. I'm looking up the... Because you're a fitness guy. Oh, yeah. It's about food. Oh, boy. Okay. It's two food things. Okay. What kind of food did Luther Vandross like? No. I mean, I'm sure he liked many foods. Oh, Although, I don't know. Actually, I don't know his diet. Two food items that I want to know if you would try. I think I know the answer to one because you sent it over. First off, are you a ramen guy? Uh, I don't not like ramen, but I'm I'm not a ramen guy that goes to those places and thinks so that like it's a delicacy and sits down and it's going to pay fifteen, sixteen bucks for a like bowl. You, of so ramen. your exposure to ramen is like the ones you make at home. Yeah. Okay. So I like ramen. I like going to restaurants. There's ramen a dish and, that I make actually that has nothing to do with just heating it up, boiling it, and there's an actual process. It's sure. A, it takes me about forty five minutes to make this huge thing. Yeah. So yeah, you can do a lot of good stuff with ramen. Yes. I saw that there was. I don't know if this is real. I never know if this is real, but it's breakfast ramen. Bacon, egg, sausage, all chopped up finely into the noodles with a maple syrup broth. Mm-mm. No, no. Or a maple, maple flavored broth. No. No? No. First of all, I'm not putting maple syrup on my eggs. Why not? You're not like a like a McGriddle type guy. Like no. you know what I mean? No, I don't. I Pancakes don't. Egg, and eggs? No, you don't put an egg sandwich in the middle of griddle cakes or waffles it's it's unacceptable you don't roll eggs into a pancake with a sausage it's nasty as the kids say i f's with it really oh yeah you like syrup i I guess you like ketchup on your eggs too uh like i will so my wife accuses me of lying when this topic comes up if i have eggs 10 times i will put ketchup on them 3.7 out of the 10 times the only mostly hot sauce or plain i listen okay i'll put tabasco on my fried eggs, I would much rather if I have steak and eggs, the the uh, steak sauce sort of leak into or over into the into the eggs and ketchup. If if I have hash browns, which have to be extra crispy, I'll put Tabasco on the hash browns, but the ketchup's got to be on the rim of the plate with the with the hash browns bordering it, so it does not seep into the eggs. So I'm glad you brought up steak sauce because oh, this sparked a memory in my mind. Oh Lord. I broke bread with Steve Cofield a couple of days ago at over, a local joint. Over Luther Vandross? Um, no. And he ordered a steak with a baked potato. Okay. And I, I and I will say this. I want to get this out in front. And okay. I'm, I think you're a man who consumes much protein, so I think you might be in here. So I like steak sauce. It is a good thing. I like a spicy steak sauce. Okay. And I like to, and I want to emphasize this word, drizzle it. Drizzle. It on my baked potato. Okay. Pretty good, right? Yeah. It's a good combo. Do you do that? Sure. I, I 
I mean, I would. Right. Steve, I think, used like half the bottle. No. On his potato. On the potato. It was aggressive. And I was watching him do it. Like, it wasn't like, like what I'll do is I'll even put my finger on it, you know, because it's mine. I own it. And I'll drizzle it like that over the potato. Like, like a nice, subtle flavor to go you with You drizzle, he done. poured. Yeah. Yeah. It was aggressive. Steve, Steve, Steve would, I would have to imagine Steve's the type of person where, like, he says, okay, I'm going on a diet or I'm going to follow a meal plan Uh-oh. and bake potatoes on it. But then also, there, he's going to have butter, sour cream, cheese. Bacon, chives, everything else, and just wipes out the whole. It's keto friendly. Okay. <laughs> right? It's keto friendly. Outside the, of the potato. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Any anyone who does any type of meal plan, it doesn't matter if you're gonna go low carb, if you're gonna go keto friendly, whatever it is, you're gonna go macronutrient, if you're gonna follow and and count your ma- if you're not going to the gym, you might as well not follow a diet. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at JVT or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag only on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, all right, let's go. Get Stick your hand in there, Dave. I feel like I should clarify something. That you could do the human beatbox? Uh, no, I cannot do that. Um, no, I want to clarify that I feel like many would take my. View of one shiny moment and jokes when they revolve. Whoa! <laughs> and there we have it. And that's what my you My microphone just fell off. I'll What's hold going it. on I'll the air it. chick? Yeah, that was weird. I mean, clearly it's not my fault, but. That's never, ever happened. Yeah, I was trying to make ever. sure that I get me. Yep. Jesus. Let's see. I'm this, a technical guy. I can fix this. just gone. I want to clarify that I don't dislike Luther Vandross. I'm just not a music guy. So when I say I, don't, I haven't heard of him or I don't know any of his songs, it's say it in a disrespectful tone, but it's not meant like that. Ari's coming over here for some reason. I don't know why. He's going to turn one mic on to why? give you that this. mic, I'm holding and you. then yeah. he's going to fix the. No, no, he's right, good. I'm a, I'm a media I, I like I like the fact that he's holding the mic because I feel like he's going to break into song. Yeah, I'm a media pro. I've I've held mics before. Don't the worry. Ball goes up. So yeah, I just want to clarify. I, I there's nothing against Luther Vandross. I just am not a music guy. Now, back in the day, this might connect more with Ari than with you. Like high school. Just going on datpiff.com and just getting all sorts of mixtapes and like that was like the brunt of my intake of music. I don't want to I, I this part awesome. I, I don't not want to hear about datpiff and downloading when back in my day what I had to do was go to the receiver and the cassette deck. You had like five different things in this console. I had to and cut you, the tape. You had a cassette tape in there, and you had pause and record hit. And you'd be listening like to like on one of the uh, radio stations. You'd be listening to the top seven at seven or the top eight at eight. And you'd Love and they come in whatever. No, that was it uh, on KCP like at ten. Mm-hmm. But you would have your finger on the pause button, and then they say okay, number eight, and you'd hear the music start, and you'd be waiting, and you'd be going okay, shut up, shut up, shut up. You'd want them to stop talking so you could hit the pause button and then record it and then you'd hope that they didn't come in at the end you'd want the song let them play the song out to the fade and then hit the pause and that's how we got music back then and then of course i started djing and the crates of records and then i was just able to create my own stuff and to make mixtapes back then before you had a mixer you had to use the be creative with the mic with the pause button as well so it just confirms my theory that i was born in the correct timeline that sounds terrible. Yes. You guys also you, had pet you were, rocks back in the you day. Were, I didn't have a pet rock. You were born in the lazy era where you, where that began. 
the beginning of the lazy era, the entitled era, and you went to Gorman. So. Or, or here's the thing: it sounds like the "you old people are jealous" era. No, I loved. I loved. I'd it. rather I use lo- razors to cut my tapes. It's way better. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, 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 well, Ari's actually you, Willie. Ari's an interesting <laughs> is an interesting voice in this because he does have a music background, right. and I'm assuming. But he appreciates. But I think he appreciates both. There, I, do, and I don't want I, this. I don't want this ruined. Hold on a second, because I want to set this up too. Because Ari is in this special place in my life. I Willie. I don't know if you know this. I re- constantly refer uh, refer to Ari as 30 teen because I don't know how old he is still to this day. Hmm. He could tell me that he is. Like 30-ish, he could mm. tell me he's like in his mid-40s. I would believe both. But I feel like as a music guy, he probably has an affinity for both eras when it comes to the lazy era. All eras. Right. Or the old school era. And the reason I say all eras because... Emphasis on old. In about 10 years, there's going to be some youngster, about however old, 13, doing the same exact thing, saying the same exact thing with right. another guy who was a little older saying, you know... Back in my day, we were on Dat Piff. You kids have it easy. That's right. So I'm just saying. And it's true, by the way, because we don't – Dat Piff was amazing, and was we were great. so lucky to have that, to actually have that resource, and, and now it's totally different. But do you, do you remember in any type or, or, or have the idea of what I what, I do. What I didn't we have, went through with cassette tapes? Yeah, no. I didn't have – I mean, I recorded stuff off the radio just for yeah. fun. I didn't have to do as much as, as you, what you're saying. You didn't have to do that. It, was, it just – and then – but here was the cool thing. You know what they eventually came out with? Casingles. Mm. We'd go down to Odyssey Records, down uh, off of Las Vegas Boulevard, way down, right off near St. Louis Avenue, the old Odyssey Records, and they sold casingles. So it's like you go, the DJs would go down to get the twelve-inch records. They started just selling cassette tapes and had one song on their hit song. That sounds terrible. No, it was fantastic. That's how they made money. Right, but that's like that's so many casingles that you have to carry around. So what? You already were buying. I mean, cassette tapes. Sounds like a waste of resources. Take it easy. It's a lot more efficient. And if you really love music. Can you imagine if they had eight tracks? Jericho. If you really love your music, you can. What? You said take it easy, Jericho. I said take it easy, Turbo. Turbo. That's his his phrase. He calls me about four times a show. Easy, Turbo. Because I always need to take it easy. Stick your hand in there, Dave. The other thing, too. I was actually just pointing to, to, because I think you would be in on this, too, Ari. The other good thing about Datpiff, as Willie calls it lazy, it was such great exposure for artists where, like, a guy like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ari, because you're way better into the music scene than I would. I don't think a guy like Wiz Khalifa oh, would have made it as big example. without Datpiff, where you just pu- you pump out all these free mixtapes, yeah. they catch on, you get exposed because it's on the internet and readily available, and high school kids like me I think, are like, this is great! I think Jordan used that, because if I'm not mistaken, didn't that, wasn't that the thing like in the middle of it and you'd hear datpiff.com? Mm-hmm. That- Legendary. Yeah, so. A lot of drop. There was a How rumor that- Where'd you find this? There was a rumor that it actually uh, got shut down just like a month ago, but they're still in action. Really? For those of us, old wasn't folks. there like a lime wire thing or something? Was it? Is that well, that's that? now that's. I think I, I think, <laughs> think there's Frostwire. Remember that? No. For all, Frostwire was, was a good what one were too. Those? Like illegally downloading songs in MP3s. Because good. Zippy Share did yep. in, that just ended. Because when when exactly. MP3s got really big, obviously each song was like ninety nine cents. You buy the album, LimeWire, and all that kind of stuff. Bear share, as Ari said, you could just download those songs for free. It was magic, absolutely magical time. So many viruses on my mom's computer. Sorry, mom. 